All right, all right. NBA QuickPod is locked and loaded for Tuesday, November the 1st. Mackenzie Rivers, NBA betting expert in the house. I'm your host, Sleepy J. Today, I've gone through the NBA card for Tuesday. Now, I have to go ahead. I have to convince Mackenzie with my best handicap. I'll give my handicap on a side total and player prop. Mackenzie will grade those handicaps and pick the one that he believes is best. Mack will grade my plays on a scale of 1 to 10. We've done this more than a few times with these quick pods so far this NBA season. Last week, our quick pod results, they were decent. Before we go ahead and get into our picks, Mac, I have a topic that I want to get to, and we discussed this a little bit over the last two weeks, and that's the L.A. Lakers. L.A. finally got off the schneid. They're getting a win at home there versus Denver. Westbrook came off the bench. Curious what your thoughts were with the Lakers' overall performance with Westbrook coming off the bench and L.A. getting their first win of the season. I got two numbers to share with you guys. Plus 18 for Russell Westbrook in 32 minutes and plus 15 for Anthony Davis in 37 minutes. I'm not going to get into the plus minus of every player on the Lakers, but those were by far the best. And uh, they usually get the blame for their losses. They're now one in five. They should get some credit for a, for a nice bounce back win. And uh, maybe they make the playoffs this year. Yeah. I don't have much to say on that. I think maybe if it's one of those situations, Mac, where if it's not broke right now, let's not try to fix it. Let's just see if this works out and uh, you know, just kind of see if it just works out and, and how things you know, materialize with Westbrook coming off the bench. And I guess it was a good thing that Darvin Ham got his his first win. I guess that's a stressful situation. You know, new coach hasn't gotten a win yet. So it seemed like the Lakers were pretty excited there in the locker room. So we'll see how the Lakers go ahead and pan out. But I got three plays here. I think they'll, uh, they're going to pan out rather well. Let's go ahead. Let's start with my side pick. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to back the Minnesota Timberwolves here, plus five points on the road in Phoenix. Suns have an issue I don't think that they can overcome in this game. That's the rebounding area. Last game out for Phoenix, they were out-rebounded by the Rockets 49-36. to That was a plus-13 rebounding advantage there for Houston. Houston actually ranked 6th in rebounds in the NBA. The Suns are 22nd. The Timberwolves rank 3rd. So the rebounding advantage for the Timberwolves should certainly be there. Timberwolves are coming off a loss to the Spurs. That cannot sit well with Minnesota. Timberwolves bench scoring with Rivers, Forbes, and Noel went for a combined two for 15 in that game. Minnesota, they were teed up three times in that game versus Spurs. They shot terrible from downtown, just four for 29. The Wolves were out-rebounded, out-assists, and just they were all out of sorts. And Even if they went out and they tried to duplicate that, I think it would just have a hard time doing that, the, fa- the fact that, you know, that they played as bad as they did. The Suns, on the other hand, um, they're playing well, but there is no DeAndre Ayton to help on the glass. And I think that that's going to hurt them, not only with rebounding, but I believe that that's going to hurt them with scoring as well. Now, the Suns look good. They're 5-1 and one on the season, but I do question how they got there, Mac. They beat the Rockets, who uh, they stink. They beat the Pelicans without Zion and Ingram, and they beat the Clippers with Kawhi on you know maintenance minute restrictions with his knee. And they beat the Mavs in, in the beginning of the year in the first game, you know, to the tune of like a miracle comeback, I guess we can call it. Suns could be riding high right now. Chris Paul will kind of need to be a scorer in this game, I think. And at some point, I don't know, I just don't see that getting done. He hasn't really been getting that done. And second chance points to me might be hard to come by. And if Booker and Cam struggle shooting in any way, this Timberwolves team, I think we can probably win this game outright. So I feel like... I feel like there's just too many little question marks here coming into this game for Phoenix situation-wise and maybe even stat-wise. Uh, I'll take the five points, 
but I honestly, I don't think I'm going to need them. I think the Timberwolves win this game straight up. So that's my first pick there. Mac, what do you think? I like it generally. How about straight up? I mean, how about sprinkle some on the money line? Uh, someone was just direct messaging me about a system they were using where they bet favorites on the number and they bet dogs on the money line because points don't matter so much in the NBA right now with totals going up, up, and up. We've talked about it being a high scoring year. How about the highest scoring year ever? So two offenses like this, Suns, we just saw what they did pulling away to cover against the Rockets, putting up 135 against the Warriors, Timberwolves. Uh, not so much against the Spurs, unfortunately, last time out. But again, one of the best offenses in the league last year, especially down the stretch. I expect a very high-scoring game, a game of runs. I would think about the money line. My uh, power ratings make this five, but I give I got to lean to the to the Wolves as well. I think they're getting better. You talked before the season about how they were going to be excellent on the glass. Makes sense when you got two seven-footers that can move a little bit. And uh, Timberwolves off a loss. 2-0 this year. I think I played both of those games and uh, 61% since the beginning of last year with new coach, new coach Chris Finch. Uh, I would look to the Wolves. That makes sense to me. I will give that a 7.9. Stamp it. All right, 7.9. Feel pretty good about that. And I think one thing that we have to feel pretty good about there, Mac, and I think this is something that the listeners need to take into account, is that we just lost a big wager with this team. And to turn right back around and back them again, it tells you that we're a different type of sports better. So just you know, keep that keep that in uh, keep that in your back pocket uh, and do with it what you will. Let's jump over to my prop play. I'm going to go down. I'm going to play Andrew Wiggins over 24 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Wiggins has gone over this number uh, in every game at home by five and a half points or more on the road. It's been a little bit of a different story. Wiggins has gone under this number in two out of three road games. Last game. Just 14 points, rebounds, and assists game prior to that, 20. So those two games are interesting because that was a back-to-back, and that was the only back-to-back so far for the Warriors this season. Last game out, Wiggins only 25 minutes played, and it's no shock that he really went under. And again, that was a back-to-back for the Warriors. Warriors just played Miami three games back, and Wiggins had a season high in rebounds with 10, finished with 18 points and two dimes. And he finished with a total of 30 PRA. On DK right now, Mac, Wiggins' point prop set at 15.5, minus 140 to the over. His rebound prop set at 5.5, minus 150 to the over. So they're basically telling us 16-6 and is still favored to go over. Now Miami and Golden State, they're right next to each other when it comes to pace. 12th and 13th fastest teams in the league. These two teams give up a combined 233 points a game. In the game they just played three games ago, they scored 232 points. So after I add everything up, it seems like this number's too low. It should maybe be 26.5, maybe even 27.5 is probably correct. So I'll go ahead, I'll buy 24.5 over points, rebounds, and assists for Andrew Wiggins. Now we're recording this late, so I'm going ju- to judge it on that curve. I'm going to give that a 7.1 only. And here's what I want to know. You mentioned it's a high total. You mentioned it's a fast-paced team. How does Wiggins generally do with a high total? You know, you can download both of those databases and compare. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that's the next level. How does Wiggins do against a fast-paced team? Download. I mean, this is just what I do. That's that's just my method. So you're giving me half a handicap here. I kind of want to know the answer to those questions because it makes sense to me that that would be the case, but I'm not going to take that without do, doing a little more Homework. So it's. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying it's. It's just the beginning 
of uh, what might be an interesting handicap. I'm going to stamp that a 7.1. Extremely fair. And I think that that's what we need to do on this podcast. And that's what this podcast should be about. If we're trying to sell each other a handicap, well, then it better all be there if you want a good score. Because if it's not, well, then you should get docked for that. And it's not that McKenzie, he might buy into a play and, and say, hey, you know what, that, that's that's great. But if he's not convinced and I don't have the argument to convince him, then there should be no reason that I get a high score. So at least you know that McKenzie's not trying to uh, you know, be favorable in any way just because it's you know the two of us on this podcast. So uh, rightfully, I believe I should probably be docked there for not the fullest of handicaps. Let me get over to my final one here, and I'll go ahead and I'll talk team total. Let's look at the Thunder and the Magic here, Mac, over 217. All right, so I don't think I can get past how many slow-paced teams or good defensive teams these two teams have played so far this season. Both just finished up with the Mavs. That's the slowest-paced team in the league, and they've played good defensive teams like the Celtics, the Knicks, uh, multiple games against the Clippers. Like, I just don't see any real bad defensive teams, any high-paced teams, or at least enough of them to make me feel that this number is actually correct. Both offenses, I think they're better off than they were last year. Now, I look, I know the point guard and shooting guard spot is all banged up with Giddy. You have Suggs, you have Cole. Those guys are all out. But it's been a good amount of games that I believe that these teams probably should have been able to work through that by now. Looking at the schedules, this is easily going to be the easiest team that either has faced. Orlando, they're playing with a bigger lineup, and I don't believe anybody with Orlando is going to be able to keep up with Gilgis Alexander. And OKC, on the flip side, they run like three guards at you with SGA, Trey Mann, and Aaron Wiggins, not to mention, you know, Dort is like 6'4". So I think the smaller lineup here for OKC is going to struggle with Orlando's size advantage. I feel like the numbers are wrong just to begin with, and the matchups favor each team to really just what they do best. So I think that this is kind of like, it has like that polar opposite kind of effect here. And with all the teams that these teams have played, slower paced teams, defensive type teams, it's really brought this number down. These two teams aren't looked at like offensive juggernaut type teams, but I think when you get these two on the court, something special kind of happens with the way that these lineups are constructed. So I like the over 217 here, Mac. That's the way I'm going this game. I don't think anybody's going to look at the over in this one, but I really think that's the right play to make. Wow. I did not think your first handicap could be surpassed. I was very impressed. This one's better. 8.0. All of your points hit, struck a chord with me, especially the first one, the pace. Dallas is by far the slowest pace team, and yet the Magic were able to force them into an over game. Thunder, same thing. And these aren't slow-paced teams. The Thunder are one of the faster-paced teams, and I don't think the market is accounting for that. I think you're right. I think these teams are thought of as bad offensive teams, bad teams generally. And I'm very interested in the term deadbolt over team, deadbolt under team, or whatever the term is. Because I feel like, although maybe there's an inner circle that identifies a team that's going to go under 70% of the time. And they could call that a deadbolt under team. And that would make sense because usually that team they want to bet under. But as soon as that becomes like prevalent, if you could somehow have spiders query like every sports betting forum, including the ones on pregame.com, the very best, and just say who's considered a deadbolt under team or a bad offensive team, I bet those teams go over more often than not. Because 217 is seven and a half points under the average score in the NBA 
I feel like these teams want to put up numbers. They want to have their young players uh, show out. Paolo Bancaro, Shea Gildas-Alexander. This seems like an over over game, and the, the number seems set far too low. I'd be surprised if this doesn't move up. So uh, your first one was 7.9, I believe. This one surpasses it. Stamp it, 8.0. All right, so McKenzie going to go ahead and buy that one, 8.0. Makes me feel pretty good there. So we'll go ahead. We'll buy the Thunder Magic over 217 with that stuff out of the way. Mackenzie, you have a hot topic that you want to go ahead and get into. What do you got? Yes, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets' lack of home court advantage. These numbers are starting to become almost unfathomable. So since the beginning of last year, 10 up, 36 down ATS. And this trend was brought to my attention today. 10 and 36 at home, but when a favorite, and they're usually favorite because they got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the Nets are three up and 29 down ATS since the beginning of last year. Just unfathomable stuff. Now, a lot has gone on since the beginning of last year. Kyrie not allowed to play. Harden disgruntled, Harden traded. Kyrie in the building, still not allowed to play. Kyrie in the building, allowed to play, swept in by the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. This year, some stuff going on. One in four this year, ATS at home, 20%. Worst mark in Nets history. Last year, they were 21%. They were slightly better last year somehow. That's how you end up 10 and 36. Now, before I'm going to ask you what's going on, should we back this trend? Should we fade this trend? Uh, what do you make of it? I was curious. Um, I know that New York Knicks have a terrible home court advantage historically. On Christmas Day, almost every subset you want to look at. I know the Philadelphia 76ers, I ran this once maybe 18 months ago about, had the worst home court advantage of any team. Less than two points historically. When three is more common in the NBA. So I know that generally East Coast venues boo a lot, I guess, or just generally don't have that same loudness of a Phoenix, Oakland back in the day, Sacramento. Seems like those home court advantages just matter more. Denver, Utah, obviously. East Coast, not so much. But how about Brooklyn? I mean, they're having this historically bad 10 and 36 run. Uh, How have they done? Well, I, I ran the query 2007 to 2020. Now, 2020, the year, COVID year, they were like 54%. They were better than 500, very rare in the Brooklyn slash New Jersey organization history. But I ran from 2007 to before 2020, those years. And they were like 46% ATS at home. And I ran it through my binomial distribution calculator, which is a fancy name. Uh, for an odds generator, given a certain set of parameters, more fancy names for pretty simple stuff. And it was a 6% chance that that would happen randomly, that the Nets would be that bad at home from 2007 to 2020. Now, what happened from 2007 to 2020? Not that much. KG came, Joe Johnson came. But in 2020, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving came, replaced D'Angelo Russell, that whole uh, Kenny Atkinson, that whole generation was was supplanted. And they've been as bad as any team at home as we've ever seen. I mentioned they were 24 and 18, 57% actually, their first year at home. And then the next year they were 9 and 34. This year they're 1 and 34. They're 1 and 4. So sleepy. Obviously, when you're hitting 80%, uh, we just continue to back this trend, would seem to be um, 
the knee-jerk reaction. Uh, do you think that's right? I mean, I have my own opinions, but I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, what do you make of this trend, and um, what home court, if any, do you give the Nets right now, or do you give them a negative home court advantage because they lose, again, about 80% of the time ATS at home? At least they have the last two years. I think it's hard for me to even consider to continue to keep fading this team at home. Something has to give. Some At some point, um, they're going to turn it around. But I think the books, they're, you know, they're looking at a lot of the same numbers that we are, that right now it seems like maybe they're over-adjusting this number a little bit. And you you talked about, you know, last season, the struggles that they had with no Kyrie Irving. I think what he played like six games all last year. Uh, Harden wasn't there. You know, this team wasn't exactly, I guess you could say they had all their pieces together, all their ducks in a row. Now, I do want to say something crazy here, McKenzie. And look, this might not have anything to do with it, but I think that a lot of people look at the on-court situation and some of the things they don't look at are the outside elements. I don't know if anybody has ever been to New York City, but I could tell you right now that it's a disaster trying to get around that place. And I would be curious what the L.A. team's home court ATS might be. Because it's a work. It's a job. It's not like being down in Orlando where you hop in your car and you live, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes away from from the stadium or from the practice facility. You know, you're going and you got your tunes on, you're cruising, you know, you're you're just chilling. It's not like that in New York. It is not like that in L.A. It's a job just trying to get to work. And you have to wonder if, you know, that the the outside stuff, you know, creates, you know, a whole hell of a lot more uh, anxiety and and, and travel kind of issues that, that people just don't talk about. We always talk about the travel, you know, going on the road. And, yeah, there's travel on the road. But for some of these big city teams like the Nets, like the Knicks, like the Giants, you know, the Lakers, L.A. Rams, and things like that, like that stuff is a pain in the ass, I mean, to, 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 to put it mildly. And I think that that's something that we need to consider is, you know, that there are outside issues with the Brooklyn Nets and, you know, with that in, in mind. And, and also, you know, as you touched on, there there's inside issues as well. So I, I don't know. Uh, that's not going to change. But I do believe the on-court situation stuff will. So me, I, I wouldn't be a buyer of, of continuing to fade this team. I think the market's just over-adjusted to them. And look, it's only a couple games into the season. Ben Simmons, you know, just got there. Kyrie's finally allowed to play. So they're getting it together. So I would be willing to start looking to, to, to back the Nets uh, more at home because, you know, the number to me, it just seems like it's just – it's not priced correctly anymore, and uh, and the books are kind of uh, adjusting to that, and maybe they finally adjusted correctly. So that's where I would be. I would be in that camp of getting ready to buy. It can't get much worse, Mac. Like this has to almost be like the bottom point if it's not already. So that's where I would be at. No doubt. And RJ Bell was talking today on the market cap report on uh, the Dream Preview feed about identifying lines that just can't move in another direction. It's six, and maybe it goes to five and a half. Maybe it goes to five, but no, no, in no world can it go to six and a half. And generally in the NFL, when you're on that number, it doesn't close six. When you when it can't go any higher, it comes back some because it probably shouldn't be that high in the first place. Let's look at some real world examples. My numbers made the Nets at home with the standard home court advantage, fourteen point favorites over the Pacers. The market came out twelve, moved to eleven. Again, ten and thirty six at home. People fading the Nets at home made sense. By the way. The Pacers now 2-0, ATS back-to-back games, one straight-up win. Now 5-0 ATS, uh, home or the road. So maybe they have some sort of matchup advantage. They definitely play with, pay with a lot of pace. Hard to keep up for the Nets team with uh, 
with a limited rotation. I mean, the Nets were up 15 in the first quarter. Makes sense that they would they would fade a little bit uh, against a team that's going to keep coming like the Pacers. But anyway, let's look at the upcoming game. That's what everybody's interested in. I can't understand this number. I know it's a back-to-back, minus two for the Nets. But they are a one-point favorite over the Chicago Bulls at home. The Chicago Bulls, who were just six-point underdogs at home to the Boston Celtics. All right, rewind the tape a little bit. Four months ago, the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics played a playoff series. The market said they were even teams. Celtics had home court advantage. That was it. That was the advantage for the Celtics. They were even teams. The game-by-game line, they were considered even teams. Now the Nets are minus one at home. I know, back-to-back, whatever. couple points. While the Celtics are minus six on the road, they're eight points better? No, it, it can't be that stark. And I know there are internal issues going on. It, it, seems, it seems to be that case. I think the market is fully aware, if not overly aware, of those issues in the home court trends that we've discussed here. So for me, it's Nets minus one or pass. Maybe Nets first half I'll look at, but not in my wildest dreams can I say Bulls plus one has value. No way. It's no way. Not in my, not in my mind. Yeah, it'd be extremely tough for me to go ahead and get to the Bulls uh, in this specific spot, but that'll wrap it up there for the quick pod. But make sure you guys go ahead and check out Mackenzie and I's podcast tomorrow night on the RJ Bell's Dream Podcast feed. Uh, we'll be releasing our Wednesday 5 contest that will be posted in the pregame.com forums. You guys do not want to miss that. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame and at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. Uh, those kinds of things help us out, motivate us a little bit. And you guys know where to go ahead and find us on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Tuesday. Enjoy the games.